Welcome to this latest episode in our series on the FCA's consumer duty. I'm Duncan Campbell, a senior associate in Linklater's financial regulation practice, and I'm joined by my colleague Sarah Cody, who is counsel in Linklater's financial regulation practice. Hello, everyone. It's really great to be here. In this episode, we'll cover what's changed in the final consumer duty rules compared to the draft rules. We'll examine whether what firms currently do, including on TCF, is enough. Spoiler alert. It's probably not. And we'll set out what firms will need to do next to implement the consumer duty. Now, the consumer duty is the largest shift, we think, in a decade in the FCA's expectations of firms' uh, treatment of retail customers. And alongside retail firms, it's going to capture many activities of wholesale firms where these impact on retail customer outcomes. So firms now need to consider how to effectively implement the duty across the in-scope areas of their business. And the FCA's timetable for this actually puts firms under quite a considerable time pressure. We're already helping some of our clients to design and to execute regulatory change programs that implement the duty. But for firms at whatever stage of their implementation journey, we're actually running a webinar series on consumer duty implementation, including webinars that focus on the implications for specific business types. And we're going to take in this podcast episode, some of the key points that we'll be covering in those webinars and give a high-level summary of them to you as an introduction. So let's dive right in and we'll start with what's changed. Sarah, what's, what's different? What's been adjusted between the FCA's draft rules and their final rules here? It's probably a good place to start with scoping. So there have been some tweaks to the exclusions and descoping of more wholesale activities. So one of the points that the FCA got in the feedback to the draft rules was that there was a concern that the way in which the the rules were drafted was inadvertently capturing elements of wholesale business, which the FCA probably didn't intend to form part of or be captured by the duty. So that has now been tweaked. So one example of that is the exclusion for non-retail financial instruments. So this is products not designed for retail clients. The marketing makes it clear that they are not intended to be sold to retail clients, or there is a minimum investment or denomination of £50,000. So that minimum investment level has been brought down from 100,000. And those two factors are no longer cumulative as they were in the draft rules. And I think that is very helpful. Um, There's also been the granting of equivalence as regards current compliance with prod and coal. So you may be aware that for certain sectors of the industry, um, there is already a very comprehensive product government regime, um, which was introduced by MIFID II several years ago. Those rules are captured in PROD. So for firms conducting MIFID business who are subject to the PROD rules, compliance with PROD will satisfy the products and services outcome. For those sectors that are already doing price and value assessments, so that's largely insurers and asset managers in respect to certain funds, compliance with the existing rules around um, value assessments in those sectors will satisfy compliance with the price and value outcome. And I think for, for firms who can take advantage of that, that's a very helpful move. 
Um, and I think it will be a big help when it comes to implementation. Um, that's not to say that those areas probably shouldn't be looked at and reviewed, but overall, I think that that's a positive move for firms. Yes, and there have been changes as well to the rules about what firms need to do if things go wrong for their consumers. Can you tell us a bit about those changes? Yes, absolutely. So there's some really interesting additions towards the end of of the draft rules where they have lifted the provisions of DISP um, in terms of obligations on firms to investigate complaints and basically said where you find foreseeable harm, which has been caused to consumers, treat it like it's a complaint. So basically the same obligations to investigate and remediate harm are now imposed on firms um, subject to the consumer duty where they find that foreseeable harm is being caused because of their actions or inactions. I don't think we've had a, a positive obligation to investigate and remediate harm in quite this way, particularly where it's not prompted by an official complaint. And there's also some very interesting rules around your obligations where you, as a firm, discover that other firms in that distribution chain are, or you consider that they are, causing harm to consumers or breaching the consumer duty. So there is an obligation to inform other firms. And ultimately, there is also an obligation to inform the FCA. And I think that's going to need some very careful thought. And have there been any changes to the four consumer duty outcomes themselves? So broadly, these are the same. There have been shifts in the nuance around them. So one of the big changes we've seen is a a sort of a step away from calibrating your approach to each of the outcomes based on an average consumer. So now the reference is to focusing on retail customers in the target market. So rather than just picking a sort of a notional average consumer when you're looking at, for example, customer understanding, it's actually now much more specific to the exact um, customers in your your target market and your client base. We've also got more guidance now and more examples of the types of metrics that firms can use as part of their sort of MI and monitoring when they're looking to track compliance um, with each of the four outcomes. It's probably also worth mentioning that there have been quite a few changes to both the amendments to COCON around um, conduct rules, and they've also sort of increased the, the board governance piece. So you'll see the back end of the rules say a lot more about how individual accountability is going to work under the duty and also obligations on the board. Something that struck me as I was reading the final rules against the draft was that uh, there seemed to be a clarification of the role of manufacturers uh, versus distributors. Are there any consequences in respect of the allocation of responsibilities between distributors as against manufacturers? Yeah, that's a really interesting point, Duncan. And I think if you did look at the draft rules in detail, there was a degree of duplication, particularly around sort of target market assessments and value assessments with everything sort of being repeated by the distributor once the product is passed on to them. The divvying up of responsibility between manufacturers and distributors is very interesting. I know from from speaking to firms, for example, in the asset manager sector that, you know, it can be difficult for them under the existing prod rules to get the information that they need from distributors in order to check whether the product is being sold into the target market correctly and and sort of assess outcomes under that regime. I think the the duty does put a lot more framework around that relationship between manufacturers and distributors and and actually imposes a positive obligation on distributors to give information to manufacturers about sales into the target market and outcomes. And that's really essential because the whole way this is intended to work is it's almost a virtual circle of 
you know, a product being manufactured, being passed to a distributor, being sold, monitoring of outcomes across the consumer life cycle, and then that information being fed back to the manufacturer in order that they can improve the product, make tweaks, um, and take action if harm is occurring. It's good that that respective responsibilities are clearer. It's good that the FCA is clear that you are only responsible for your bit of the chain. But that communication um, and collaborative element of the duty is going to be key. So senior managers everywhere will be asking now, we already take steps to comply with existing obligations around treating customers fairly in, in various forms. Isn't what we're doing already enough? Or maybe isn't this just a case of building incrementally on what we're doing already? What would you say about that? You're absolutely right, Duncan. Anyone who's taken a look recently at the TCF outcomes will notice that they are very, very similar. Outcomes-based regulation in this sense is nothing new. And I think it is tempting to... um, to look at your existing TCF frameworks and use that as a place to start. But I think it's important to step back, actually, and just look at what the FCA is trying to achieve here. And it very much is a real cultural shift. And you see that in different sectors in different ways. So if you're a wholesale firm, your business model is is entirely constructed around not dealing with retail. And if you have conversations with people in the business, and I've, I've done this in recent months, you know, they will very much say, but we don't have anything to do with retail. You know, we are very careful to make sure that we don't have anything to do with retail. And and I think it, it, on in that area, it's going to be getting the business to understand that the nexus for application of the duty and the trigger here isn't a contractual relationship with a retail consumer. It's your ability to impact outcomes. I think the shift between fairness and and outcomes is, is interesting as well, because it's fairness is about what you do, whereas outcomes is about what a client experiences. And I think the other point to make around, well, isn't it just TCF all, all over again, is that there are some things in the duty which are absolutely new. So the focus on behavioural bias is new. We've seen it in guidance, but never in the sort of explicit and pervasive way that it appears in the in the consumer duty. There is an increased expectation around what firms can do around data. The FCA wants firms to go and do a lot more with MI, not only assessing what customer outcomes are, but also spotting problems before they arise. Value assessments for most of the industry, bar the sectors I mentioned earlier, is going to be new. The testing regime is much more mandatory and prescriptive. And obviously that shift as well from clear, fair misleading to customer understanding, that push back towards what is the customer experiencing rather than what is the firm doing. And finally, you know, the FCA has codified an awful lot of material that used to be guidance. That now has the status of rules. Um, And then you have the three cross-cutting rules, which I think are absolutely fundamental to this, which again, all of which are actionable. Um, And I think there is potentially a much clearer route to enforcement for the FCA here. Okay, so there's real work to be done here and there's going to be some immediate steps and some steps to take over the medium term as well. But what what are the immediate next steps for firms? This was very interesting. Um, what nobody saw coming, I think, was the um, the requirement around board implementation plans to be finalised, signed off by the board and debated by the board by the end of October. 
So as well as finalising implementation plans by the end of October 2022, those clusters manufacturers are now going to have to complete their review of existing and any new products by April 2023. Um, that then gives three months um, for firms to pass on information um, that is needed by distributors um, and also to remediate any problems that are found during that review process. And we're expecting the FCA to assess implementation work against firms' initial plans as well as the rules themselves and to make this part of supervisory discussions. Okay, so the immediate next step is getting that implementation plan finalised. Uh, what are the sorts of things that such a plan would need to cover? So I think, you know, there are a number of work streams that you're going to need to cover. I mean, the first is obviously scoping. So for some firms, scoping is an absolute doddle um, because everything's in scope but for other firms particularly on the wholesale side scoping is actually quite difficult and for every firm once you know what is in scope there is a secondary scoping exercise if you like around looking at what you're doing at the moment what the duty requires you to do and what the gap is so your gap analysis where is there going to be to be an uplift in existing processes um, there will need to be a work stream around adapting governance frameworks and policies there's going to need to be quite a bit of training there'll be some internal systems and controls and that monitoring piece that will need to be developed there's the product review against the four outcomes obviously for manufacturers in particular and then as i said that that annual reporting framework that's also required so that's just an example of, of some of the things that that firms are going to have to think about and and sort of cover in that plan. And you need to be thinking about things like board oversight and accountability, and then who's going to have day-to-day -day responsibility. The FCA obviously requires you to appoint a consumer duty champion, ideally an INED. That I think is separate to who on the board at senior management level has responsibility for making sure the duty is implemented, which I think those are actually slightly two separate roles. Um, so that will need to be thought through. And then you need to be setting key, key deliverables and milestones and engaging with key stakeholders. So there's an exercise around mapping who they are and making sure that they're bought into the process. Okay, a lot to do. But that wraps up what we have for you today, and we hope you found it useful. Do check out the show notes for a link to our webpage on the consumer duty, where you'll find all our insights, including our note on the final rules and our podcast series. Don't forget that, as Duncan mentioned at the beginning, we are running a series of webinars in September. These will look at the duty in general terms and then issues for specific sectors. Um, details of these and recordings in due course will be found on our consumer duty page on linknotice.com. And remember, we are always here to help. So don't hesitate to contact us or anyone else at Linklaters if you would like to discuss any aspects of this further. Thank you very much for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.